the all-star app, the number one app in the business, UFC, Bellator, One Championship, PFL, and more. Get the app right now. Link in description. Danny Gay, man, his response to Joe Anderson Brito, the, the Homer Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh yeah, I love it. It's one of the best responses to a call out ever, man. It's like, how do you come up with that stuff? He's he's funny as hell, man. Like you got to think our, our our dialogue back and forth, bro. We we have a good time yeah. making each other laugh and coming up with funny ass shit to say and do. But uh, yeah, man, he's he's a riot. So he did great. I I I, I was uh, actually I think I was warming up a sunsail, so I didn't see it or hear it. And then uh, Dan's just like. Well, just got called out by that guy. And I was like, I don't even know who it was. And then by the time my, our fight was over, I saw Dan's post. So I was cracking up, man. He did a good job with it. Definitely, definitely, man. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to ask you about the art of the call out, man. It's something that um, I don't think a lot of people talk about. You know, when, when fighters call other fighters out, do you think it is better to, like, reach for the stars? You know what I mean? Go after somebody that has a name that's established? Or is it better to target someone that is more logical? Sure. I mean, I think some of them are well thought out and I think some guys just kind of just jump in there and try to throw their name in the hat for a title after their first UFC win, you know, but, um, you know, when, when, when Ige beat Dan Tucker, you know, I thought the Korean zombie call out was, was right. I thought it was a good call out, you know, unfortunately that fight didn't go our way, but that fight made sense, you know, it made a lot of sense in a lot of areas. So, and it was a very well thought, thought out call out. Um, and again, I think it's something now like this day and age, you should have somebody in your mind for, for what's next but but more mo most importantly focus on the opponent that you have in the, in the cage at that moment do you usually talk with fighters about that like if you win be strategic about what you say after the fight no my my focus is purely on on just getting the win and the execution of the win and you know the the pre-fight the the leading up to the build-up uh the shit talk or any of that stuff i don't i don't partake in i don't like it i don't have any place for it whatsoever i don't feel like coaches should either it's just on our jobs our jobs is to go out and execute the right game plan and get our fighters in the best position to win. So, and th and that's just the way I've always been. Even when it came to football, I wasn't much of a trash talker or anything. I just let my my, my game and my play talk for itself and then move on to the next. So, but I get this day and age, man. It's going to be like you know how you are on the mic and you know your analytics and all those things. But uh, from my perspective as a coach, I just stay out of that kind of stuff. Yeah, you try to stay out of it, but you get intertwined in it sometimes, right? For Inadvertently, sure. you know and. You can't control it, man. It's just it just happens, I guess, uh, in this sport. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and I think it's just a, a lot of times is how you react to it. You know, um, I know I remember like when Ferdinand Lopez was kind of engaging on everybody and saying this and saying that, and you know, I kind of put out that fire real quick with with, with the first time. The first thing he said something about me, and I was like, bro, this ain't about me and you. This is about our, our two fighters. So let that shit go. And 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 later on when I saw him that fight week, he's like, hey man, you're right. Like I, I shouldn't really involve you or anybody else. So, um, but it, it is what it is. That's the, that's the name of the game now in the sport. Yeah, he's got a whole other fire going on right now, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> now, uh, today there's a rumor coming out that uh, Dan is matched up against uh, Ilya Teporia for December 17th at Las Vegas. Do you know anything about that? Man, we, you know as much as we do. Like, it's, it's funny because, you know, we we hear we hear like one thing from Sean Shelby, we'll hear another thing, and then we'll get an email like at, you know, uh, odd hours of the night saying, oh, that's off, or you guys are doing this. And we really legit, I'm telling you guys 100%, we have no idea if we're fighting this guy whatsoever. Um, it was offered to us like maybe on short notice, 
And Dan had been helping uh, Calvin Cater for this camp. And a bunch of the guys came in from New England cartel and, and Dan had kind of hurt his back. So the timeline for Dan and the weight cut to, to make that short notice fight, it made zero sense. Furthermore, I mean, Dan's has been fighting a row full of killers left and right. And, and like, you know, Dan isn't managed by anybody right now. And, and a lot of that stuff needs to be better between myself and him because I'm, I'm the idiot too. It's like, yeah, we'll fight anybody, you know, well, I have to, I have to be a little bit smarter in the way that I, I approach this uh, also. So we had, we had had a, a, an idea of fighting hopefully by the end of the year, uh, we were even shooting for Orlando or something like that. Um, we had a couple names in mind that Sean was all about. And then it was like, well, um, can you fight Sadiq on a couple days notice? We're like, well, we won't be able to make the weight. We had no problem taking the fight, but if they could push it a little bit longer, we would be able to make the weight. And then they went for a short notice fight. So it's just, it's just really for us, man, it's, it's just hard to nail anything down that, that where I feel like it's beneficial for us to take a fight on, on short notice. But, um, I talked to Dan today. I was like, if this is the fight they want to make December 17th, um, you know, are you, do you want to take it? And he said, bro, I'm, I'm down for whatever. So we're kind of in the same boat, but, but honestly, God, we don't know anything at all. We haven't, we haven't been offered the fight and we don't, nor do we have a fight contract in hand. So we don't even know. It's so funny how those things, I never get involved in that. I, you never see me putting out reports of like, I heard this fight's happening with this guy. Cause it's just like, you don't know. You don't, if you don't talk to them directly on both sides, how do you know if it's really like being discussed? For sure. And, and, and I mean, that's the one thing too. Like I get hit up all the time about, Hey, is this fight happening or so-and-so going to make this fight? Or I heard this, or I heard this rumor. And a lot of those times, I swear to God, I, I have no idea either. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't know, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so yeah, it is what it is. Funny game. And over the weekend, man, you just mentioned that you were in the in the corner for Rafael Sunsal. He picked up a massive win. You know, a lot of people counted him out. You know what I mean? He had a throwback performance, looked great. You worked with him. And what was it like watching him, man, from the corner during that fight? Oh, man, it was amazing. Like, I'll tell you what, I came home and I, and I was telling my wife, like, probably the mo one of the more proud moments I've had was uh, watching him, like, FaceTime his wife and his daughter. You know, and a lot of things behind the scenes, I think that, um, you know, fans and media aren't predicated to is the the human element. And just just seeing not I haven't seen the last four fights, obviously, but I've, I've felt like I've, I've got the narrative of what was going on in his life and where he was at in his headspace. And, and just being able to see him share that moment on FaceTime with his wife and his kid and, you know, the, the emotions that they shared. And then his wife got on FaceTime and was very emotional and thanking me and, and everything else. And just, just, I don't know, man, it was, it was a very cool moment for me, especially just knowing everything that he's been through and the legend that he is, in my opinion, I think he's one of the best 35ers to do it. You know, I think he's a legend of the sport and being able to come in there as a massive underdog and go get the upset. I was, I was very proud of him. Is, is he thinking another run now or is he just taking it fight by fight? What's, what's his mind state? Well, you know, he, he felt like after the fight that he was like, you know, I, I might end on this one ending on a high note. Um, and he's like, coach, what do you think? And I said, I think you should go home and spend some time with your family and just chill, bro. And, and let that be what you, what makes your decision, go home and, and think about it. And if it's something you want to do, we're always going to be here. If this is the end of your career and you're happy with the, what you put together and end off on a high note with the win, then be happy with that too. So um, I think just making a decision, especially right after the fight, is just be irrational either way. Just you know, deciding if you retire or not. But um, 
all in all, I think that he understands and knows that he has a home here at Extreme Couture now, and, and whatever he decides, we're going to have his back 100%. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand that, like, a, a big decision like that, you do, when you're a family man, you understand you're a family man, that you have to go back and, and discuss with everybody and, and see what they think and get different points of view, right? Exactly, yeah, and it is, it, you know, you you make these decisions as a family now. And, and ultimately like we're seeing that in football with Tom Brady, right? Like it, it definitely affects the family dynamic and being away from home. He lives in Atlanta and being away from home, then he has to come, you know, he's, he's basically living his relationship on, on FaceTime and everything else. And the sacrifice the sacrifices they have to make when they, when you're doing a camp across the country. So definitely go home and think about it. And, and if it's worth it, then by all means, and let's do it again. For sure. Um, the UFC, man, they sent out this memo to all the fighters and managers stating that they're, they are prohibiting gambling on any, on any UFC fights, man. Because we've seen fighters openly say that they're betting on themselves. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they win, that they lose. <laughs> you know, I believe that this is reaching out further, like, even to, like, family members. They can't bet on fights. Or coaches, they can't bet on fights. What is your reaction to that? Well, I, I think that, you know, this is something that, it was coming down the line to be honest with you, you know, and, uh, I, I love James Krause is one of my personal friends, but you know, I think this is in a lot of ways like the James Krause rule, <laughs> you know, because he, I mean, he, he's, he does a magnificent job of, of, of really being a handicapper. And, uh, I think that maybe the UFC is starting to see that this could further be a problem down the line. And this is by no means a, a being an accusatory. I think you're just looking at the fact of, what may happen or maybe if, if, if there's a fight being fixed by a coach who's betting on the fights and, and, and publicly picking fights and doing all these other things, I think that ultimately that can be a problem down that line and you have to be aware of that. So um, I, I saw that. I saw that they're, that they're, you know, they're asking them not to bet. I saw that the family members aren't supposed to be betting and doing that as well, coaches as well. That's what, the, that's what it said. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see how this works out. But I don't think it meant like messes up sponsorships because you could make picks. You could like say like, "Hey, pick this guy or that guy." Just, you just can't bet money on the fights, right? That's yeah, you can't bet money on the fights, you know. Um, and and that's that's what the that's what it said on on the email. So I I really don't know how they're gonna enforce that. I think really all it's it's almost like with um kind of like the IV rule and you saw it. It's like don't do IVs, but the only way you can find out if you're doing IVs is by your own admission. So guys are going to continue to bet. I guarantee you that they're just not going to put it out there that they're betting. So we're, you're still able to um, promote my bookie and do all those other things. Yeah. But you got to think though, like you, you, the big machine, my bookie, stake or uh, DraftKings, those guys are all 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 paying that UFC money for sponsorship yeah. gold. You know, so they're just trying to you know in one way, um, I think just take away some of that some of that, you know, promoting of the betting side for us as, as coaches and fighters, which I completely understand. I, I really do. I, I, I think it's, mm -hmm. it's going to muddy the waters and somebody's going to get accused of fixing a fight because of the way that the betting has been going lately. Do you remember that there was a fight fix scandal in, in the UFC a few years back? Uh, who was that? Yeah, I that do was remember that. That was in Korea. Yeah. It was, uh, bang. The Korean fighter Bang, and then there was uh, Kuntz. He was also an American top team fighter. Bang was approached by, I believe, some you know shady characters, and he was paid to to lose basically. But he ended up winning the fight. Oh wow! It was like, it was like, <laughs> it was like a snatch. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, man, that's crazy. Yeah, and his his reputation was, you know, it was it, man. Like even like Korean top team, you know, they had to separate themselves from him. They had no idea that was going on. The coaches had no idea, but you know, I guess uh, it's weird, man. He tried to lose, but he won the fight by split decision. And and I and I think that's that's the thing, man. Is is eventually like that? That's what they're just trying to avoid. Is something like this is going to happen, and somebody's going to get accused of this or that, and you know. Um, uh, I remember that one podcast that that Kraus did where the guy said he laid a million dollars on David Oyama versus Nate Landwehr. He said the, the guy said he was laying a million dollars on him, right? So me being a Vegas guy, it's like a lot of guys will say that to help move the line a different direction and go lay it the other way to try to, to try to boost the line. I mean, I'm not saying this is what happened. I'm talking this is like old school Vegas techniques where where um, people with handicappers would go on and tell people to bet some, certain things and move the lines a certain direction so they can go hammer the other side on their own to make that money. It's crazy how this, uh, how this works out in, in Vegas. So um, I think being old school Vegas, this is one of those things that, that they're trying to avoid. Yeah, yeah. I hope nothing ever happens to that point, man, because I just don't want anything to taint the sport in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, UFC 282, man. More rumors. John Jones is going to come back. You know, they're talking about he's going to fight Stipe. Do you think that's the wrong move if they do put that fight together? I do in the fact of John's going to be out for almost three years now. It would be three years in February. What is – why not wait just until March when Francis will be healthy, right? Like what's another couple months? So – that's kind of where I'm at with it. That's the communication that I've personally had with the UFC. Um, they asked me what, what, what I wanted, and, and I said, um, John Jones. I want John Jones. And they asked, uh, would, would we be ready by March? Or when, when's the earliest we, I think we'd be ready? And I, I said March. I think March is plenty plenty time. Um, Francis will be – this is seven months post-op. Uh, December technically would be nine months post-op. And if he's fully healthy and gets cleared for full contact, that gives us about three months to get into training camp and, and get to work. And I think that timeline just makes a lot of sense if we were to get John Jones. From from the pictures I've seen, man, he still looks like he's in phenomenal shape for someone that's, you know, hurt. You know what I mean? Like his knees sure. messed up. I mean, they've done a great job over at the PI. They really have. And once he's been cleared uh, to do light activity, you know, we're able to hit pads. So He'll hit pads probably once or twice a week with myself and Coach Dewey. Um, there's obviously been no grappling or anything like that, but his strength and conditioning with Kyle Laramie over at the PI has been very consistent. And just having him home at a consistent basis, because he was still going back to Cameroon and doing some traveling and do, doing a lot of business, doing a lot of business work since. So having him consistent at home um, and, and doing the workouts that he's going to need and, and, and really giving himself over to the PI with Kyle Laramie, I, I'm, very, uh, I'm very fortunate to know that, like, He's going to be coming into camp knowing that he's going to be in good shape and ready to go. The conversations you've been having with Francis, you know, how are his spirits, man, moving forward with, you know, defending the belt and all that stuff? Oh, he's great, man. I, I mean, like, it's honestly, it's his mind. Sorry, my dogs are going after it. They're fighting each other. <laughs> um, he's great. Like, he's in great spirits. He's a guy that I, I think that his his mental side is always going to be his strong suit. He's a guy that is always going to be um, focused when the fight night comes and all the noise that you see that circles him and it comes around him. He has a, a, an ability to just 
cancel all that out. And, and the really, I mean, I've been fortunate to be around two individuals that I feel like have done that very well. And that's Randy Couture and that's Francis. So no matter what's going on or around them, he just has this uncanny ability to shut it all off. Like it's, it's unreal. And even that, that, that fight week with, uh, with uh, Cyril gone with everything going on, he just remains so focused and so ready to go. And, and it, with the knee injury and the, the contract talk and the former coach and all that stuff, man, he had so much on his plate and he was like, whatever, I'm going to go beat this guy. Like that was his mentality the whole time. So, um, I learned a lot from him to be honest with you, JK. Like I came out of there, like, all right, man, like I got to get better at, at, at being confident in my own skills and my own skill set. So, uh, I'm excited for him when he, when he gets back and gets back in the room and at full time. Yeah. You know, he's, he's recovering from injury. I know you've dealt with the injuries over the years, man. Well, are you dealing with any injuries right now, man? I know coaches, they do deal with those. You know, I I've actually been fortunate. So Joe Rogan hooked me up with, uh, this guy Brigham over at uh, ways to well out in Austin. And, um, that was about last, that was last April. So I had been going out to Austin a few times to go see, see Brigham and, uh, Brigham helped me out with some stem cell stuff, um, some peptides and I, I mean, my, my whole neck, my whole right shoulder, like a lot of things were just not, not helping and not working and not getting any better at all. But, um, man, I'll be damned. Like when I went out there and I was kind of skeptical too, and Joe's like, I'm telling you, man, like you got to come out and see these guys. So, I went out there and saw him, and, and, man, he took such good care of me. I've been out there a few times now, and, you know, I know I know Joe's a frequent flyer. He obviously lives out there. Uh, Gordon Ryan goes and sees those guys. Um, so they, they've really helped me out a lot and, and, and kept me in the game for that most part. And I, I feel young, man. I feel good. And, you know, I, and probably part of that is because I don't have to hold pads for Francis every day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I haven't had to hold for him as much, so I, I feel like my body's uh, – definitely healed up and gotten a lot better but the last week i held pads with francis and i was like oh man my shoulders are killing me <laughs> so i guess yeah. it's i guess a little bit of both so a lot of people that are not coaches or not fighters they don't understand the the impact of holding pads for like heavyweight light heavyweight middleweight yeah you know I mean? welterweights there it's just insane like i hold pads sometimes for fighters just you know just to see what it feels like for and sure dude dude it's yeah it hurts yeah and i'm, I'm a very hands-on coach um, I like to, I like to catch the punches and I like to catch the kicks. I, I like to, to, you know, the work, the fit ins and the takedowns, because I think technically you can feel it a lot better. You know, sometimes there's, there's punches that I throw where for like, if you were to do a step over uh, a right cross to a step through left overhand, um, if I held, if I held it on my hand, it doesn't really give you the true range where you want to be. So sometimes I'll, I'll catch it here, which takes a lot of impact on my own head and my, my, my neck and my shoulder area. But for my fighters, they have to understand what that true range is that I'm looking for with that overhand. If I hold it out here, it's about a foot and a half too long. But if I hold it here, this is the correct range where I want it to be. So sometimes I'm catching those damn things off my head, you know, and, and buzzing my own buzzing my own head every, time to time, and especially holding it for Francis. I got to tell him, like, yo, don't throw this thing full blast because you're going to knock me out if you do. But uh, all the while, it's, it's the footwork and the distance that I want to make sure that's correct. And that's kind of part of the job. That's that just shows you the advancement of coaching. You know what I mean? Like I'm pretty sure a lot of coaches don't do exactly what you're doing for the range because you know it could mess up a fighter actually. For sure, hold it out here, right? For sure, not used to it. Yeah, and that you're exactly right, and and you're you're giving them a false sense of reality where they think the footwork is is here. If you rep something a thousand times and you think this is the distance that you need to be, 
It's not in a, in a fight. You're going to, you know, the guy can have an exit or po possibly counter off of that instead. So we always, you know, in that particular technique we're speaking of, like I try to crash into the shoulder, like pull my head to the shoulder side. But when I throw that left overhand, I know exactly where I'm at in distance. So, you know, you're ricocheting uh, punches off your forehead. But at the same time, you know, we've landed it quite a few times in fights with great success. Definitely. Now, going back to uh, the, the whole triangle thing, Stipe, Francis, and John Jones. I was talking with Chris Dawkins, and he was saying that John Jones needs Stipe. He needs Francis. You know what I mean? It's not vice versa. He said Stipe's the GOAT. Francis is on his way to becoming the GOAT. Do you agree with that statement? I do. I, I do. I, I still I still feel like Stipe is the greatest to ever do it at the heavyweight division, in my opinion. I still think um, – I, I hope he still has uh, uh, some fights left in him. That's just me being a fan of him, you know, and him and his team. Um, to, to be quite transparent, I, I feel like Stipe should technically be the next in line, if you, if you ask me. Um, but when people ask me who do I prefer, uh, obviously because I'm a competitor, I, I, want, I would love that John Jones fight. Um, and, then, and that's part of the reason why I, I don't want John and Stipe to fight either is because – you know, I don't want John Jones to have the opportunity to figure anything out or, or go back to the drawing board and say, well, I could do this better. I could do this better. And then and then make those advancements when he possibly fights Francis later on down the line. You know, I want him to have to figure that out with uh, the predator in the cage. And, it, you know, his first fight in three years and you're going to be staring down at Francis Ngannou. It's a little different, you know, so that that's that's what I would prefer. But um, as far as uh, Dawkins's assessment, I, I definitely agree with him there. But even if they put the fight together and they, and they do fight, do you think Francis wins no matter the outcome? Because either he fights Stipe, he fights Jones. It doesn't, you know, like he gets a big fight no matter what. He gets a big fight no matter what. Um, and I know that, like, just because our mind was set on John after we beat Stipe, like, gone wasn't even in the picture. It was like, hey, you're fighting John Jones next. And then all of a sudden we're fighting Cyril gone. Um, you know, I think his attention – kind of was was we were so fixated on fighting john that he just was never even available technically you know and that's, that's kind of what the ufc told us we were like you know they couldn't even find the guy for a couple months it was just you know it was weird so we we were we, we kind of let that go like like well i guess this guy's not even available so what why are we even focused on him right now but i i do i do hope that 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 fight does uh end up you know how ha happening at the new year you know i think that i think mean, that's the best time to do it is, is make it happen then Eric, man, appreciate the time, man. Always, man. And uh, hopefully I'll catch up with you much quicker than, than this time around. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime, brother. Yeah, Instagram me because I got to look yeah. at Twitter more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Twitter is crazy, right? <laughs>